0: We went through the absolute mill. I think they had the heat. It was such a fast race. We had the Australians and the Americans. I think they were both maybe under 520. We were third with like a 520 and a bit or something like that. But then we were kind of faced with the rep shots of death. The, the rep shots was really early. So we kind of got up and we're kind of running down the track. It's like dark. It kind of felt like you were you know, on the way to like steal something. There was this kind of tension. Jürgen gave us this like epic get this done kind of speech. And we went off the start and we just didn't look back.
1: hey what is up welcome to last show counts if you like to listen to some fantastic stories of what it's like to row at the top level and also coach and cox athletes you're gonna love this episode please welcome henry fieldman to the podcast hi guys thanks so much for having me thanks for coming on man it's uh yeah another one like obviously we've we've done
2: we've rowed together before so it was an easy pick um but it's really good to get you on and Awesome to hear that you've heard a few of them as well. So uh, yeah, it's really good. Um, I guess I'll start by just kind of introducing what you've done. So uh, at junior level, it was uh, it was coop, and then three under twenty three world championships with two bronze medals. Uh, to one of them with mine, with me, That's yeah. Ryan, yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, six senior world championships: two golds, one silver, two bronzes. Um, coastal Rowing champion, Cambridge blue. Uh, from this year double european medalist in in one day uh and then uh obviously to top it off tokyo olympics bronze medal in the men's eight so um yeah a hell of a list list to go down to go down with um i think probably we should start with uh with europeans this year and how how that went out oh
0: yeah um yeah it was a crazy
2: crazy few days um
0: so i this year i was selected to coach the women's eight so i was uh gearing up for that we were kind of building in everything was kind of as you'd expect i guess and um i uh yeah i was rooming with the men's eight Colts, harry brightmore and um yeah really unfortunately he he um got covid in the while we're out there and um i came back to my room um in two days before the the finals and um he went off for a shower and then could just I came out and said, Oh, Henry, I've got a problem. I'm going to need your help. And, um, shot out onto the balcony and told me he'd got this, um, this positive test, And, uh, so I kind of immediately masked up and there's something, my phone's going crazy. And, um, the men were meant to be going for an outing right then. I, I kind of just got back. I was thinking, Oh, I'm going to have a nice little chilled afternoon. And suddenly I'm, uh, yeah, Steve Trapmore, the, the coach of the men's day, calls me, says, I kind of need you to come down now. So, um. Shot down, did a training session with them, and um, then by the time we got off, um, got the news that Harry was was going to be out for the for the weekend. So I would have to do both, and they'd kind of already spoken to the the women's coaches as well, and and um, they'd run it past the, the women's eight, and they were kind of fine with it, and it, we kind of could work it work it out, so it would it would be fine. And um, uh, luckily, the the finals were on different days, so it kind of yeah. made it pretty easy. Normally, they're quite close together. Yeah. Um, Men's eight final was on Saturday women's was on Sunday. So yeah, um yeah, I did yeah, thinking back probably I think that yeah, on the the day on Saturday I went out with the with the men for a pre-row, came back in, did a training session with the women, came back in, rigged up, like got the eight sorted out, raced the final of the men's eight, came back off, then did a training session with the women. It was just kind of relentless, but um But it kind of meant that I I had this really unique experience, and opportunity to do those two races back to back and um, the men's one was really like a crazy race. Mm. Um, That crew is seriously good um, and like great to kind of jump in and like they've done some amazing work since I was last in it and it like it was really firing. I think like it's always going to be challenging for them to because you've got like the brain of the boat that's kind of conducting the orchestra is suddenly gone and then they've got to adapt to me and I've got to adapt to them. and. so, credit to them for kind of coming through and, and winning that race. So that was a lot of pressure from the from the Dutch and the Romanians. I think the margin at the end was 0.05 seconds. So, it was like a, a crazy race, but really like happy and, and proud as well to, to to kind of
2: mesh with them and, and come away with a good result. Yeah. Also, for the team, like you said, for everyone to work together, for, for people to be happy and like, you know, it's not ideal preparation, but for, for the women seem to be like, yeah, call cool, it. Like, let's make it happen. And like, probably also like not at, you couldn't have a better way for it to go wrong obviously you've been involved in the men's team already like i guess tom uh uh was it ford yeah tom ford was your stroke man was he, he was stroking it as well anyway wasn't he? yeah so kind of like him and james are kind of there's a of familiar sign yeah men. yeah um
0: yeah it was it was it was it was a cool cool thing to do and I, I i guess like i mean i can't say it was a cool thing to do without saying like my heart goes out to harry who was like ill on the plane going home at the time and um he made a, he made a recovery. recover yeah. back back in the back in the fight now yeah yeah
1: yeah i'm sure harry was definitely happy that you were his replacement if in that case like you guys were obviously that like, roommate so it must have been at least comforting for him to know that like he can leave his eight and save hands i just want to know about the race because obviously the margin was so so tight um did you go into that race expecting to win or when did you did you ever have like moments of doubt or yeah, I mean there's been
0: so many races since then. Uh, yeah. So I kind of cast my mind back and uh I think I remember we went off the blocks and it was quite a good start and through the transition I think we started to move away but we like the 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 lake was quite like quite a lot of like lateral in the in the water mm-hmm. and we were kind of like doing this a bit and it sort of felt like we hadn't quite hit the the rhythm that I've seen them do in in some of their other races and some of their training where they're kind of just look so so long and efficient we haven't oh i hadn't quite managed to we hadn't quite managed to bring that out um and you know you know how it is when you're in a boat for a while you kind of you have these like buzzwords which mean whatever it means and so i think again that probably having a, the last minute change of probably made that moment a bit tricky but we got into an okay rhythm and started moving out a little bit but not in a way that kind of could really dominate the race and the dutch and the romanians were like right there and applying pressure and um and we just kind of i think as we sort of started to respond to that and i was calling for a little bit more a little bit more it just started to bring the rhythm together a bit more as well so we started to probably find our best up as we were kind of charging towards the line mm-hmm. and um i mean it was actually crazy. we actually got rode through by the romanians and then rode through them again right wow. onto the line so it was yeah it was crazy I mean we kind of I was pretty sure we'd won at the end but I looked over, the Romanians were were celebrating like really hard and I thought I better just wait for confirmation here <laughs> before I kind of say what happened, happened
2: but, yeah you know. that's awesome I guess confidence as well for that aide to be like like you said hey we lost our brain and like fantastic sub but like also like even when when shit goes wrong like, we've spoke a bit <clears throat> at coaching like generally when I was coaching I was sort of always coming into events would sit my team down and be like listen something's gonna go wrong like if we all sit here and expect perfection uh we some we're going to panic because something will go wrong and like as soon as you start preparing and when that thing does happen you can be quite calm be like ah here it is you know mm-hmm. here it is like we knew it was coming we knew this thing's going to go wrong um but that's all about like performing at the top level it's like not necessarily performing in perfect conditions like you said sometimes the water's a bit washing things like that so
1: I spe- a- especially in that style i mean i was watching that race and towards the towards the finish like you know, as I started the co- as I heard the commentators, you know, like really start to like get emotional about it all and then saw that the margin was so close, like I had a tear in my eye. I must, I must say it was, it was a very, very good race to That finishing in the men's eight is looking
2: like unbelievable. Like just recently in Lucerne, like watching them like, it's like take chunks, like per stroke out of, out of Australia, but yeah anyway we'll uh we'll move back into that let's uh let's rewind a little bit now then and get into how you got into coxing in the first place or um let's see uh so
0: i yeah i was uh i guess like we were i was very fortunate as a young guy i um basically well my my um (laughs) where my parents had me um they uh they didn't they weren't sure where they're going to live and my my aunt um basically said, uh, you can live in my house and I'll move in with with um, with my dad's mum. So they they moved in together and basically gave us their place, which happened to be in Barnes. So like like amazing part of London and really near the river. And um so I kind of like uh always like was aware of rowing because you're kind of crossing the bridge and you're, you know, in your little push chair as a little young little man and, and then like as so you kind of growing up, you're kind of aware of all these. These crews and i remember i remember being always quite excited when the the boat race crews were kind of having it on because i remember oxford especially not that excited about oxford now <laughs> it's, much, it's much more you know cambridge all the way but but i remember they were especially really like they had this big sound they'd like breathe out at the yeah, village yeah. so yeah, yeah. you kind of be kind
2: of walking along kind of like, sat down on the on the river um, the old uh, the old carl hasmith yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> throwing water like next dude maybe he to like uh, everything i don't know if it were yeah it was yeah. like a tss, like, tss, <laughs> tss. like a real
0: copper noise yeah 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 absolutely uh so yeah they had I, I kind of like saw it was aware of it and then um um again very fortunate to a bit, to um go to last rock school like private school and one of the options there was rowing i didn't choose it i chose rugby and um but like pretty soon found out that it's not for me and' yeah. uh, so, um, joined the boat club and they like, they, they lined us up in height order on day one and I was at one end of the line and those people on that end of the line had to cox. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that was, that was my first taste of,
2: of coxing. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to cox at school. <laughs> I had the opposite. <laughs> part. I was like,
1: that job looks really fun. I'll never get it. They're like, no way, mate. Yeah. You're in the, <laughs> you're in the boat. I've not even managed to squeeze myself in for a session. It's uh, it it does look fun, but like uh, i would probably be slowing the boat down more than I could. Like pro- potentially, like encourage the athletes to fall hard. It's one thing I wish I could have had a go at. Just to, I
2: feel like I obviously have an understanding of how difficult it is, having spent enough time rowing. But speaking to people who have rowed a bit and then to go coxing, like when you see someone come out and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like that is not what I thought it was. <laughs> like, i think it would be fun to have a go but you know i'm never <laughs> someone you would have to get a custom made boat
0: this is oh yeah yeah i guess i, I mean yeah come do, when you're doing the ergos next uh, ship, uh
2: <laughs> yeah
1: squeeze yeah. shoehorn me in
2: <laughs>
1: you don't need a bungee if you're carrying a hundred kilo so so what we could do is we could put like a big plaque of wood and then you could like maybe kneel on top of it. you've seen i've seen some people who will sit on the back yeah like, for nobby the weight,
2: yeah stuff, yeah Yeah, so, so yeah, I guess, did it's funny that you say that you didn't choose it. I think that's kind of a recurring theme a lot with rowers. Like sometimes they kind of, it was the option to not do something they wanted to do. Like, I hate rugby, I'm going to go and do it. Rowing finds you. Yeah, I think something a lot of people, you just kind of fall into it and it just happens. How did you get on with it early on? Did you enjoy it? Was it like, oh, this is too serious? Or, yeah, I loved it. I, I think, um,
0: I liked, I guess, you know, I was a little guy that was, uh, I am actually still. Um, but I was a little, <laughs> was a, was a little guy that, um, <laughs> had like was told you, you know, tell these big people what to do. I thought, this is great. Um, and I like being outside and I like being on the water. And I kind of, I think I was, I was probably, you know, I didn't really know. I was like a bit, probably an awkward kid and I didn't really. Rowan gave me that sense of like, you know, these are your people mm. and, and th- this is something you're working with other people towards. And, uh, yeah, I really like that community and I, I probably like, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I remember not really knowing what, yeah, who my crowd was when I was growing up mm. and um, you, are you with the kind of the, like the, the sort of nerds or the, or the druggies or, oh, oh there's
2: this other group, the rowers that might be me. So, um, yeah, I feel like I was just sort of the same, like I was, I sort of described myself as a, like a athletic nerd like yeah. i didn't quite fit the nerds because i was tall and sporty but i didn't quite fit the jobs because i was a nerd and like rowing does sit in that kind of middle place where you can be sporty and athletic but
1: also you can like nerd out about it totally totally awesome so do you remember like your first competitions or, or anything like oh yeah i've got a i've got a little
0: bit of video of it i'm like nice. uh, i think it was hammersmith head uh and my um my parents were filmed filmed it with like an old camcorder or something. So I, I got this. There's this footage of us going under the Barnes Bridge, and I'm like, I've got like the race fan on a sheet of paper like between my feet. I'm just kind of like so, <laughs> trying to trying to remember it. Um, but yeah, yeah, how was your line? Yeah, probably <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, no, yeah, really dreadful. We did go through the centre arch, but um, yeah, I, I remember just being. Yeah, I think just having no understanding of what's going on, it's basically just like people turning up the turning up the the intensity. I remember my first race, first like multi lane race at Dorney, and kind of seeing it and just being like, it's massive. Mm. And like getting to the end of it, they're like, right, this is the start, and that's the f- like I can't even see the finish. Like, yeah, <laughs> and it's only I mean it's two K, but I remember just thinking this is crazy. Um but having amazing fun, and um, we were, yeah, we we had a, a guy called Alex Walker. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember him. He was, yeah, rings a bow He was he as a junior, he was epic, and yeah. so he was. Uh, he really wanted to row a single, but he was kind of encouraged to row the Cops quad with us for like the, our first year, right And he um, probably carried us to like some some good medals. So uh, it was yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun.
2: And then obviously getting sort of a coop. Was was that in your last year of school? That was my second last year of school. Been, yeah, I was uh, uh
0: yeah, we kind of we did the I think I was in the I was in the second day of school at the time, but they managed to convince them to send me to GB trials and then uh, finished like third out of the out of that lot. So we sent to the coup and um, yeah, I was in the Cops 4 with uh, I think people you remember. Scott Durant was in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was good and yeah, we um yeah, it was an amazing time. Um, training was different i remember we our coach kind of had a slight stopping off in sessions to go to the pump and kind of thinking wow gb Row, crazy um but it was was a really good time we ended up with uh two goals which is awesome and uh yeah i guess from that point on i kind of thought oh this is actually something maybe i want to do hooked yeah we were thinking at the time maybe we should get coop tattoos after that
2: But right we uh, what so what was it was that two thousand and six two thousand six yeah okay so oh, so you were the same age so we so we left school in 07 so yeah. I think the top cox was, was Hugo wasn't it uh, he was the cox the following year yeah yeah so yeah. I think the top cox that year was probably um, Jack Plummer. Oh yeah, I don't remember Hugo. I'm talking about Hugo Gulliver, who's now the women's head coach at Brooks. Yeah, who has uh, obviously masterminded or been part of the of the Brooks mastermind of a good Henry,
1: the Temple of Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, we, we were at school. Year. We were in the same class. Okay, yeah. He was Latimer as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the <laughs> enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, really well. <clears throat> so then, leaving school, uh, going to uni, did that uh, was wearing affect where you wanted to go yeah definitely i uh but at that point you really think about it now i was in i was into it i I would have loved to have
0: gone to Oxford, or cambridge well obviously cambridge as an undergrad but i i didn't have the grade so i I went to um i went to imperial college and uh i kind of thought i want to be there or ul or something something like that and um um i i've studied there it was a complicated story but like imperial was part of ul Mm -hmm. and then it broke away so we kind of had to choose and I initially started at UL and it was great, an awesome club. Like I have a lot of love for that. I feel like anyone that's been through UL kind of has this eternal
2: sort of bond to it. Yeah, it's really good. Though like, they have a really hot alumni group, don't they? And like I know a lot of people who really show passion for it. That's good. Totally, and it's it's like
0: it kind of looks like um, it's like the gym from Rocky Three. It's like
2: horrible. Yeah, I know it's... it. We we're doing the eggs on and off sometimes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, like per- like all the pain peeling off the walls yeah. kind of thing yeah but then then you kind of re- realize that
0: that's the sort of the charm of it almost it's like it's not about the it's just about the people and the, the work you do and yeah um having said that i did leave <laughs> um i uh w- yeah to get my degree from imperial college i had to change my club um and also steve trapmore was moved to become the coach at imperial college and I, obviously he's he was the you won the Olympics in the eight, and I kind of wanted to learn from him, so sure. it made sense to to move, and um and that was where I was actually studying. So,
2: um yeah, saw out the rest of my undergrad degree uh, career there, I guess. Cool, you know? cool. So we got to talk about the first time twenty three, I guess that we did together. Yeah, yeah. And Which I guess you went, you were back there for the scene. No, 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 I missed, no, you I missed that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was how was how was that from your perspective? I guess that's the first time you that was your first. World Championships, yeah. Uh, I said second world championships, first medal. Um, ah, okay. Oh no, yeah, because you went the year before in the eight with Josh and yeah, 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 yeah. You were yeah. year ahead of me, yeah. But um, man, it was awesome. I thought we were really, really good. Yeah, I I mean, I was probably like last man in the boat, so mm. that was. I mean, I think we went like five twenty nine, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I think
2: we, so we we went did, a, Yeah, yeah. As a as a pretty young crew, yeah. Like Dan Ritchie, Matt Ross, Noddy was in there. And Lot like, Kieran. I Yeah, Kieran. Uh, Chris Abrahams. Uh, who else? I don't want to miss it on out. Um, oh, yeah, still Kieran in the in Ben Duggan. Ben Duggan, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. The camp was so good before as well. Like staying yeah. at the Rider Hotel, it was, it was awesome. And having, having Henry Barrett basically whip us into shape. Yeah, I remember him just cycling along the bank and kind of like everyone in the boat could row pretty well.
0: So he was just sort of filling the, the, the niche that was left and was just screaming, Pain is good. I think pain is good.
2: <laughs> I remember feeling like, you know, people like Noddy and Dan had already been involved in the senior team. So, like, I remember, I can't remember where I sat. But I think, I think I was washing my blade out a little bit, unlike Noddy, and Noddy was like not happy about it. And, but like, Dan's in the middle of the list. I was like, somebody's going a fucking kick. <laughs> Dan was like, calm down, Noddy, to calm down. <laughs> and then I'm not like, freaking out. Like, because also, I remember the last before we went out to Worlds, the last speed test we did, we did like a 2K flat out and like 10 strokes to ago, I bought like, I caught like a bow stopper, like nearly a bow stopper and I was like, I'm going to absolutely fuck this up. So, like such high level of nerves for that regatta. But yeah, no, I thought we had, I mean, that was an awesome one. I still love the video. I don't know, I don't know if I can find it anymore, but you did, you chopped oh, up a little video and things. put your, yeah. your mic up to it. Like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, we. I thought that was a
0: really good crew. I remember us just being able to do any drill we wanted, just like with no trouble. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, it was really fun to be. And I think it was the first time in a while that a GB under 23A had like, sure we got bronze, but for a while we were in front mm. and it was like the first time in
2: like a number of years where that happened. And I kind of, that was like after the heat, but I shut us down I was like, I fucking get enough. Uh, he was like, when you go out for that final, you know, can go. And we did. Yeah. I think when we like, when we hit the front
0: from it, I think him describing it to me, we hit the front. and like, the 1k or something and
2: him describing him like on the bike it's working <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine him trying to, i can't who were we were talking to before is uh the politics on the bikes oh, oh, along man. the back is quite funny like oh yeah andy nee robinson <laughs> yeah he was saying like Jürgen, like it didn't matter like where his crew was he would also like force his way to the front really? and
1: then just <laughs> i'd just like try and like mentally get in the heads of the other coaches just be five steps <laughs> ahead of everyone else and then like he's not gonna get told off by anyone
2: That's yeah cool so yeah I mean like no, three three under trade threes two medals and stuff obviously at that point still at uni still doing that kind of thing um so then post uni uh obviously sort of made a decision you wanted to go for it and go for senior stuff
0: yeah i i uh I think I yeah finished uni and then I was I was kind of invited into the team-ish like I was invited to like watch the team training or something it was kind of like a funny wording, like, um, and I kind of thought oh, this is—I I, I, don't—I want to—I want to have a shot. Hmm. And I, at the time, Phelan um, uh, Hill was the cops, yeah. And so we, I think where, we, yeah, we just we just finished. This is kind of 2012, so they've just in the Olympics they got the bronze, and I kind of thought oh, I really I've got probably not a great chance with um, the way things were. So I need to get a result. I need to find some pressure and get a result. So mm. I kind of elected to not come in then and go spend a year at Cambridge, doing um, doing a, an infill and and doing the boat race and then kind of ho- hoping that I get like a uh, would well, learn a lot and 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 kind of show what I can do. Mm. So I
2: did that and then following that, came into the team. It's difficult as a car, so There's only one seat in that, and if it's currently filled by. By someone who's been to Olympics, it's also going to be super hard to to turn that over. But, yeah. oh, having said that, then 2017, no, was it? When did you do the Cox pair? So, did
0: uh, so did the Cox pair in twenty fourteen. So, okay, I know, yeah, I'm I'm kept, came in in 2014 and then ran the Cox pair, 14, 15, 16. And um, I was, occasionally I was given a go in the eight, um, just to keep feeling, you know, honestly. I said, hey. Yeah, I was just sat in. Feeling was always, I think, you know, it's an absolute class cost and yeah. that his results show that. Um, but I think Jurgen, every
2: now and then, wanted to maybe, maybe give me a chance to like develop a bit, and and then for sure, it's important. Like, yeah, competition is is uh, key to success. Like, no one, we sort of spoke this before. No one's ever broken a world record with no other crew chasing them. You know, like mm-hmm. you have to have that reason there to push. Mm-hmm. So, how is how's a cox player, though? Because obviously, going from having done rapid eights, yeah, it was it was. Yeah, it was awesome to be honest. Like I've never done one. Oh man, we should
0: do one. Like yeah. It's <laughs> So good. Like <clears throat> I think I, I remember we we sort of tested one uh with um Scott and mm-hmm. Alan Sinclair with the cops pair mm-hmm. in in 2014 and we put it out for the first time, I remember, and we were doing some pieces with Adam Freeman Pask in the single next to us. And I remember we, we did one and um I was like, am like how was it? Because i 'cause I'm I'm in the front and and uh they can, I can um I could really, I really had a sense of them breathing, like more than in the eight. You could really hear them, that would be really close to them. And um, and Scott sort of leans out and he says, I kind of feel like my body being ripped in two. <laughs> uh Scott Durant. Scott Durant, yeah. yeah. Uh sorry, yeah, Scott Durant, Alan Sinclair, and and um but it was it was an amazing time. Uh we were that was my first sort of senior World Championship, and we were kind of um that crew especially there was a like a, an a kind of awesome cohesion with us like we kind of all wanted to we all just wanted to make the boat better and there was no that's not to say the other ones weren't like that but like i think because we were far enough out from the olympics you could be in it and still have that olympic dream that's like a real a real burning fire and i, I remember scott was saying i want to do this to put myself in the best position possible to get a gold medal in rio yeah and i remember thinking that's awesome but like you know you're not in thinking like you're not even in in the olympic class events there's all these people ahead of you but sure enough that's exactly what he did yeah Uh, so it was i mean it's it's a bit different to the eight as a boat class in that you're kind of you're i feel in the eight you're sort of dictating a bit yeah in a cox pair is you're kind of almost like at least the way i
1: pitched it was you, you you're more the voice in their heads a bit yeah Interesting that you made a decision to go to Cambridge in order to like develop as a Cox. Because obviously like there is definitely so much that you're going to learn from, you know, racing on the tideway, but also doing like preparation, like Cox plays such an important role in that race. Do you think, how much do you think that helped you with your international racing? Oh, massively. I think it helped me massively. Like it was,
0: um, it was the most kind of high performance environment over a period of a season that I'd ever experienced um we had people from all over the world in the boat so we i was we were racing with guys that we'd raced in the american eight uh, as in the australian eight we're now in my eight and yeah. uh, and then i think as well like as a as a coxing trial it was it was really kind of it was really hard uh in that like you had international kind of coxes there too so when i was there um we had a, a guy called ed Boston who who's a great Cox who coxed Cambridge the year before and they won. Um you had a guy called Sam Azurkis who who had just won maybe two IRA titles on the trot. He won the under twenty threes for the US. Wow and he actually went on to Cox the USA at the Rio Olympics uh, a few years later. So we were kind of just taking chunks out of each other. So I was like I was learning so much and and um and I, I hope he was too and um I don't know but Uh, That was it. Was probably quite a fierce rivalry. There's probably not an international program in the world with that many coxes like going against each other. Yeah, I I think we probably, as a lineup, we had a we had an awesome like roster of coxes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like to be fair to Sam, we were training and trialing to do a race on my track, like where I was like learned. So I kind of, I wonder if we were, you know, trialing somewhere else, maybe it would have like I I was given the nod at the end. I wondered if it might have gone somewhere else. Mm You know the other way if we were on a different stretch of water but it, it went my way in the end but i kind of learned so much and went through the mill so many times to get to that point and don't uh, so it was it was really really valuable for me um to to kind of get get that experience and um yeah we lost uh i probably should say that we lost to a really good oxford crew um but i think uh i'm not i, I mean you kind of talk to people about losing the boat race i remember talking to some alumni after the race and I asked them how long it takes to get over that loss because it is it is it one it's one that really stings yeah and the alumni guy puts his hand around my shoulder and says I'll let you know when when I get over it (laughs) but I I have to say I'm not really like that I think I I learned a lot from it I'd love to have won but I I made some great friends in both crews really and uh, it's part of the story so
1: well absolutely and the event is super stacked obviously with, with international athletes so it must have been amazing for development and obviously when it comes to how much the loss can sting like it's it's really difficult because you train for so many rounds for just, just one race and the margins aren't even that big if you, if you were to race both crews over 2k you, you'd find that there is not that much in it oh, we, we have definitely won no, I
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though. You know,
1: we we did a bit of a breakdown on the one this year, and you, when you look
2: over the over the distance, like a win of two lengths is such in a tiny margin. And sometimes, if you win by two or three lengths, it can look like, you know, this year, oh, Cambridge Smash Oxford and everything Like, it, yeah, it's not Smash. Like over two gear, if you win by three lengths, yeah, that's like a it's a big margin. But man it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's a hard one for sure
1: i wanted to ask about um what it was like obviously coxing along someone like feeling because obviously he brings such good wealth of experience like you said he's uh, he really like knows what he's doing um how was it like learning from him and just like being alongside him in the team at the same time oh it was it was good i think uh
0: like i think i would say that we pushed each other even even though i was kind of i would still done a whole load of stuff by then and and i was kind of like i had that sort of young like no fear nothing to lose sort of vibe and and i think um and i was at that stage where you're kind of learning so much every day like you might kind of like like every day you're like a bit better Mm. um so i think i i think i think it would be fair to say that i pushed him a bit and it's absolutely fair to say that he pushed me of course um i think he, he was he's a great he's a great guy like he's 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 so he's 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 so kind of chilled um but happy to share his and his knowledge and um and it was awesome to, to we could have two eights side by side i remember we used to do these sessions out in them um, we do this training camp in of these and um we do sessions like where we we put two eights out and i remember i was just a little little bastard at like i'd kind of like whatever the session was i'd be kind of like where's that eight, like heading straight forward and i like, trying to like get through all the bends before them and, and then we we would do ones where we'd we'd go out like we shoot 10k out Turn meet and then go 10K UT1 rate 20, like all the way back to the dock, side by side. And uh Did uh, you do your job as the second crew and rate
2: twenty-one the whole way?
0: No, no, we we were, <laughs> we were we were bang all rate twenty. I had Scott Duran the uh, stroke seat like the absolute metronome and, Um, but it was just awesome. And I pr- probably not like like you're gonna only let us do it a few times because you know what happens when you put Ace and to each other, they just turn it up and you know the session might be UT one, but what you're actually doing is just 10k as hard as you can. <laughs> so, uh, but when we did it, it was amazing, and it's kind of like, uh, and yeah. So there were these these awesome moments that probably only like the people in the boat would have seen. I don't think there's any video, but yeah, it was it was awesome having like someone of that
2: caliber where you could do that kind of work next to for that long. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. It's awesome. It's rare. It's rare at a uh, club. You know, I guess someone like Brooks now um, have that ability to do that kind of stuff. But uh, like you're saying, talking about high performance environment, obviously Leander is a high performance environment, but the numbers were low. When I was there, My through my under 23 years, you don't have another eight to race, you know, and then you go to Met Marlowe, Wallyford, and there's not really anyone else to race. And then you turn up at Henley, and all of a sudden, it's harvard and like, you haven't had any of these all year so like it's like so valuable to get that side by side stuff in an eight and so rare like you said to be able to have that opportunity
1: that is great if you can have that sort of competition and also like i just remember like one time uh, meeting feeling that meet the athletes down at leander mm. and i didn't because i used to skull so i never really like had that much involvement with coxes. but then what really put like into perspective how hard coxing really is Is when Phelan started talking about, you know, just really analysing the data, like he knew exactly how fast the second or third five hundred of the German eight at the time was and like what their split was that. So I think I remember a story from when uh the Germanate
2: left their eight out unattended at like a World Cup once. And like Phelan snuck over and measured everything. I don't know what I don't know what you would gain from that, but just the psychological advantage of I know, I know they're set up. Yeah. Yeah, I know, definitely it.
0: He was very good with the numbers and things like that and, um and yeah that it's Coxes you kind of you do I remember we raced we raced the Germans so many times when I was in the men's eight for um in the run-up to Tokyo and then you kind of knew you kind of knew their race plan by the by 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 the time you're you kind of coming to the point and um sometimes you had the power to like pre stuff and sometimes you didn't but you kind of knew right okay we're like I think you'll be maybe 900 in they're gonna do something like whatever. And most crews do something around. Mm. I mean, but you kind of knew that they were going to do whatever it was then and it would probably produce about two seats. Um so yeah, yeah, cops are, you
2: know, yeah, it's definitely part of it. Like how much in a in a international race can you still hear what other corpses are calling? Or how much are you maybe trying to listen to? Obviously in Henley, I would say you're probably doing that more. Mm.
0: Yeah, you can you can hear I think like you can hear you it's hard to hear all the calls and stuff, but you can you can definitely hear the tone of things. And I I like some of the races more recently. Listening back, um, and I've been interested to hear you know you do those exhibition races or those preliminary races more in the women's day now because haven't had like more than six entries in the last few races. So you're kind of interested to hear uh, how how hard are these other crews going? And mm. I can listen back to my tape and kind of hear like how how like the the intensity of the calls here, the other see. So, and and you kind of have a little bit of that on the run as well. So um, you can hear a bit. I, I'd struggle to hear like specific calls and tactics. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, sometimes it's going to be in a different language as well. Yeah, that's tough. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, how good you're, Romanian?
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the, whatever whatever point of the race they're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, like, if you by the time you come to do World Championships, you would have probably done a circuit of a World Cup one, World Cup two, World Cup three, potentially Europeans. So you can kind of like you said measure like who's gonna make what move at what position in the race so then it kind of becomes like a game of chess almost because you know how fast your horse is in the race and how do you then try do you then try and play any mind games or like how often does it come to a position where you have to like change the race plan in order to to alter the outcome of the race because obviously if you know that you're going at a certain speed you can probably kind of understand the potential of what you can get out of the crew I was wondering like how that plays out
0: yeah I mean I, I think with, with with other people and I swear, like if are there are any coxes listening and they're kind of wondering about learning a cruise race plan or an opposition cruise race plan through the year they'll always be developing as well so it obviously it absolutely could change as, as yours would too um, uh, in answer to your question I think you're kind of we're trying to develop our best race plan throughout the season I guess and it, 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 on the one hand, like, it's like a non-contact sport. So you're just in your lane and no matter where you are on the, on the opposition, you kind of, to a certain extent, you want to be a little bit bullish that, you know, what we're doing is what we're doing. And, and we've kind of worked it out that this is how we can, we can get the fastest speed, but you've also got to kind of, as the Cox, you've got to be monitoring it. And even though you might have executed the plan exactly as you thought you could, maybe you're kind of checking the speeds checking the field, checking the conditions and you actually know we've perhaps we've undercooked this and we need to start putting the boot in a little bit earlier than we thought so you, you kind of have that yeah that racing now I guess to
2: to, to adapt it if, if you feel like you need to yeah ultimately it's like more about your performance isn't it on houses but then but you get into that top where you're looking at that 1% that tiny little performance, performance gains and stuff like that I mean we used to have <clears throat> it never worked at international level but Rowing at the Andra stuff, we'd all sometimes sort of nine, nine fifty, get the cocks to scream a call really loudly, but we wouldn't actually go. Oh, and then to, to, to try and make them to respond and then wait. And then as they come off their 10, they yeah. bang oh, go. I like it. I oh it, it. yeah, I mean you can you can scare like club crews doing it, but like, yeah. no one in enough in international crew's gonna gonna be like too worried.
1: I was yeah, I was just wondering like obviously if you were, do you think you would race any faster if you were racing from point A to point B on your own and executed your race plan perfectly, versus like how much does the adrenaline from like also like having other crews next to you at the international level like help with sort of like getting more out of out of what you can? I think it. I think it is a big part of it. Like I think
0: you, you have to, Yeah, you want to. One thing our our coach uh, on the women's team, Andrew Randall, says is you've got your race plan. Like stick to your plan, but if the plan's not working, change the plan <laughs> so uh and and I guess in terms of like not working, maybe that's like are we on the speeds or are we not willing i guess, and i guess every every program will kind of have a different way of judging that, but yeah ultimately we're 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 here to win and finish in front, so um yeah, it definitely spurs us on and if if we're if we're a little bit down, we'll do everything we can to to get back up and for a little bit up, we'll do everything we can to, to open the gap I
1: guess so obviously coming off at of the back of Cambridge and doing the world championships in 2014-2015 how did you find like the lead up to Rio uh,
0: yeah it was, I was I kind of I was fully committed to making that boat make coxing the men's in, uh, in the Rio Olympics and I kind of I I sort of thought I, I guess I started the 2015 season I thought right gotta gotta make this happen so I'm gonna kind of have this sort of private goal of, of winning everything and always being in front whenever we're on the water. So I was kind of I basically went on this kind of mission to to do that. And um uh and I I, I managed it. So we didn't lose a single race, like heat semi final, uh domestic or international for basically two years. And um so I kind of feel like I gave it everything I could. But you know, I guess maybe if, if I put it like this, at the end of the twenty fifteen season, there were only um, three coxes, maybe f- maybe three coxes in my in in the sort of non para um, events. They were world champions. I was one, but Feelin was the other, and so like even though I kind of gone on this this huge sort of, this really successful run, Phelan was still. The, the obvious choice he kind of you know he, he, he was winning races as well he's winning the big ones uh he'd been to the Olympics before so and I if, if you ask me now who who, sh- who should go just like the, the obvious decision to feel feeling should be that Cox and he was so Jürgen Jürgen selected feeling and um he sat me down and said you know um basically I think he thinks I'm really good but I, I lack that experience so he wanted me to go to to kind of take a year away and then, um, and then come back in 2017. So I I uh, I started coaching coach UL um, UL women's team for a year, which was awesome. Um, but then I kind of like towards the end of that, I came back into the team to coax the pair again at the non Olympic Worlds. So um, that was um, Callum O'Brien and Ollie Cook. Um, okay. So uh, and like that was um, that was awesome. We had an awesome awesome time, and it was t- really tough to for them because they were rowing in the team they were you know they really wanted to be in the olympics and they were you know missed out in the end unfortunately but we were given this opportunity to race still the non-olympic worlds in the coach pair and um um yeah we uh it, it was it was like it was a funny time because you you were kind of part part of this this team and then they went off to rio and you really wanted them to do well you were kind of wanted to be with them for it and then we were suddenly just this outfit of three um but we had a we had a, uh, people were, you know, people would just find the coach pair fascinating. People didn't I'll help them. And uh, we had um, Christian Phelps came and helped us. Um, John West, who had coached us in fourteen and fifteen in the coach pair, was helping a bit as well. And um, yeah, we we ended up kind of winning that that event. And we, it was it was to be fair to those guys, like it was a, it was a good event. It was people had come back from the Olympics to race that event. So we kind of finished, even though we yeah we kind of ultimately fell short of where we wanted to be in the Olympic team. Um, we still finish up pretty well, and, and we're kind of in a good a good place to launch our our push into the twenty seventeen season.
1: Focusing on the process will bring you more results than focusing on the results itself. And obviously, you kind of control the outcome. But I'm sure that like you giving absolutely everything for like two years straight in order to make that Rio team definitely helped the team like with, with whatever happened at those Olympics. Like obviously with that success, because unless the team is really really competitive, then you might you, you never know like when it when it comes down to like really cutthroat racing sometimes that extra those extra 2% will make all the difference so no that's that's kudos and then
2: yeah I think you talked about it didn't you about um, training like you race uh, or always training and always racing with the best for the best chance that you can because you could you could give it absolutely everything and not make the team or you can give it absolutely everything and, and lose by a length or two legs or whatever but one day there'll be that race where you're head to head and there's a foot in it Mm. like Europeans or whatever and having then spent all those times even when you knew you weren't going to win or you weren't in your favorite boat class that's when it counts and it comes in and then that's how you make that's how you make those wins when it counts so, yeah that's the difference it's like applying yourself and, and making sure that you are putting everything in all the time and he said you can talk about so many there's so many people you know like Ollie Cook for so long just sat down the bottom you know like not quite making it not quite making the Worlds not quite making an Olympics you said, Scott, being in the pair four years later, making the eight, like mm-hmm. you talk about so many people where they actually, you know, there's a lot of people, oh, mate, oh, maybe he's not made it. Maybe it's time to jack it in or whatever. But that single-minded focus of like just push, 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 and, and that's, what the, that's how you get, that's how you become successful.
0: It's it's amazing. And, and it's like maybe not just at like Olympic level, whatever mm-hmm. kind of you're doing, just like working with people that are like-minded in that way. And you kind of... You, you kind of cre- create these amazing bonds with people where you kind of I don't know you almost like you almost feel like family and you, you, you'd kind of do anything for them and, and they'd do anything for you just to kind of get you to the point you want to be and um, yeah I think
2: certainly it's controlled war you're going to war together yeah like, uh, obviously no one dies and so there's not i spoke about this before there's not that fear of death but um, you're going to feel like you when you when you cross the finish line but in terms of yeah, I know those bonds, and yeah, there's still people I, I know. Like I met up with Dave Bauer, uh, Henley qualifiers, and I hadn't seen him for years, you know, and it, but like it, it was like yesterday that we were rowing together. Even like with you, you know, I probably haven't seen you for a while, but it's just like straight back into the memory. It's, like, yeah. it's, uh, it's a bond that's difficult to get elsewhere, and I think also like in rowing specifically as that sport, it's amplified because of the format of the crew. Like you are a team, but you are like one thing and you have to become one thing incredibly well together. You don't have different, necessarily different jobs. You all have the one same job, same focus. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why it kind of like forces that that feeling a bit more maybe than other than other sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And it's kind of, I, I mean, it's
0: kind funny. Of, uh, I, I had this conversation with, um, do you remember um, uh, Anglefonia Rodriguez, the Cuban skater mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. passed away recently? Yeah. Um, uh, we had a conversation once uh, at, and he didn't speak any English. At least, I don't think he did. Not no. much. He was, uh, so we were speaking through a translator and um, he was asking why, uh, how much we get if we win a medal, uh, how much money we get. And um, I was saying, no, we get nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was watching the translator pass this message on to him. And he's, he's sort of his completely kind of unflappable exterior suddenly kind of surprised at this uh at this kind of revelation, and I think I think that's that's kind of because we're all in it not for the not for the money but yeah. like because we love it and we and we and we love this pursuit of of whatever goal it might be, and um perhaps if there was loads of money in it, it might be different i don't know uh, we'll never know <laughs> yeah 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 uh, I, I think there is that sort of like this, that
2: shared kind of love of of what we're doing which yeah it brings us together in like a special way which i i really enjoy it's just i mean i'm sure we haven't been involved in other sports i'm sure there's other sports where people feel the same way about it but like we've talked before about rowing it just you don't you don't just have one foot in you know it take it becomes your world Mm um i some people say you know some people say oh all they talk about all they think about is rowing it's like yeah because to row at a high level that's all you can do that your entire life does become rowing. it is your world it is everything that you you have to eat sleep Drink, breathe like just everything you know
1: i think potentially because it's also the pursuit of the goal that is not money driven is is what actually makes it more fun because it's not motivated by like financial situation you just want to win you don't care about anything else but that medal but that win but that team selection so that's yeah there's a great interview with Ayrton center
2: um oh obviously money so- when, when yeah yeah <laughs> um when he's asked what his favorite when his favourite time was in racing oh, right. is like back in Brazil in the go-karts because yeah, it was no involved Yeah, real racing yeah mm-hmm. and it was for nothing other than the glory of winning and I can sympathise a little bit in terms of for a long time we we all wanted to earn money to do this and like it because it allows you to keep doing it but also I look back at my career and be like that's also kind of when money got involved that's the time you're like oh shit this is my job now mm. like you know my first couple of years at Leander, I'm 19 like there's nothing else to do I don't give a shit like I'm just all in invested like and then you, you get a bit older and you're like, I need to make this happen now. I need to you know I need to earn something in order to be able to keep doing it, in order to justify to myself that I should be here. So like yeah, that purity of just doing it for the sake of doing it is I think can be like overlooked.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So interesting that um you've been asked by Jurgen to to sort of like take a year out and then you took a step towards coaching. How was that for you? Do you think that like affected your coxing in any way?
0: Um yeah, I think it's very positive to like step outside and kind of see, see, um, yeah, just see, see the sport from a different angle. Um, and I ended up actually kind of doing a bit of coxing and coxing and coaching. So I'd we kind of people would come down for a session. Maybe the cox you know had a lecture that overran, so then I'd take them out, and then the next day I'd be in the launch again. So you kind of could see the things you're working on and feel them, and then kind of draw like kind of uh, correlations and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it was really good um and uh and also it's just it's awesome working with like students because i mean it's exactly the same they're just there because you know for for the love of it yeah. and, and so i think it was really it was really positive uh for me obviously you know i probably through the whole time i was sort of wishing i was maybe in the in, in the olympic team but um but no it was it was really really special and like and that the people that the kind of live in that boathouse or li- like move through the boathouse there's so much passion there that it, c- it just rubs off on you a little bit and you know you then take that into the next thing so that
2: was a great time I guess like you know you've got two options where well, you don't quite achieve what you want or you don't quite get the position where you were you know there's some people that are like oh, I saw it I'm like whatever you know I'm over it or or you or you like put your hand in the fire and it's like right like right, I'm going to turn it up I'm going to do something about it I think like again that's probably for me like a sign of a of a of a like a good athlete or champion or whatever is that when you get those setbacks because everyone does mm. you've got to use that to stoke the fire mm. um and like you for you like finding other ways like trying to improve in different ways we spoke with Ben lewis you can't you can't make something a hundred percent better, but you can make a hundred things one percent better, so you' mm. trying to like up up that almost as a comp in a competition way with yourself mm. would you say like internally obviously you said like it's struggle it's hard in 2016 to see that crew with you without you or you know i see that team not doing like how how would you say or how would you give people advice in terms of when you didn't quite get where you want to be i mean i i think it was, it was a really hard like it was
0: i i wanted them to do well without me uh i would say that but it was kind of you, you also want to but you know it's it's a kind of funny one but uh I would say, you know, I think it's it's yeah, it's hard. I think I'd just say take some time and and like this, you hardly have any time to yourself these days. There's always like a phone ringing or or something, but or you just have this compulsion to look at a screen. But I think probably just take some time and, and kind of think it through. I think um, for us, like I was sure that I wasn't going to maybe it I wasn't going to give up at that point. So I could just, you know, feel as good as i you know feel good for the, for for that crew and and you know be excited about pushing to the next thing um but yeah i think i think when you have when you try and achieve something and it doesn't work out the way you wanted um i think it's an opportunity to like define define your character a little bit mm-hmm. and work out you know who you want to be and I, I would say i would say that carefully in that people say you know I would say, never give up. Um, like, but that doesn't necessarily mean keep going forever. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I say, like you know, perhaps you know, whatever whatever one might be doing, you know, there might be a, a situation where doing it that way at that time isn't a good idea. But your pursuit of excellence or, or your pursuit of wanting to achieve something great, like um, you know, never give up on those things. Um, but kind of seek those moments out which are difficult and and use them as a chance to define who you who you want to be because like we're never going to be the finished article but we're always trying to become better and try and become that finished article that we kind of envisage but um but it's never going to be done and um and that's there's like a a journey in that. there's maybe a, a but there's a pleasure in that too um i would say
2: yeah i like that i've heard a few people talk about seek discomfort and um there's another there's an art there's a uh interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, where he says, like, I don't like being comfortable. Comfortable makes you lazy. And mm. I want to put myself in a place where I'm not super comfortable and I'm going to force myself to change. Mm. Uh, and I think that's something you kind of got to be aware of, especially like a difficult sport like rowing. Like you can't be comfortable. I mean, another thing I think I, I heard, I can't remember who said it now, but it was, um, you, if you're doing something right, um, look at the rule of thirds. So a third of the time you should be happy with what you're doing, a third of the time you should be pretty unhappy and uncomfortable, and a third of the time you should be like really happy. But mm-hmm. like, if you're always comfortable, you're not going to be pushing. If you're always uncomfortable, you're not going to get anywhere. This is like a term of being aware that like there's times in your life where like it's going to be a struggle. Um, but then also that makes it's kind of the whole point of, of getting somewhere. Like the struggle is what makes it worth doing. Like if you didn't struggle and you didn't, there were no bad times, then then when you had the good times, they wouldn't really mean as much. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Like it, it needs
1: up, you need that polarity for sure. Yeah, I thought I, I heard another one.
2: Someone said it was like, um, the purpose of life is not to be happy, the purpose of life is to live life, and life isn't constant happiness, mm-hmm. despite what social media quite often tells.
1: Them. Yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't like wake up every day and think, How can I become happy today? You should think, What would I need to do to feel proud of myself today, and then just go and do that thing? Delayed gratification, working towards a a goal
2: further away allows you to i mean no one loves their job every day like you just it's not possible uh again i'm not sure if i've told this on podcast before i remember you said boating from leander you boat um the car's queued to come over the bridge on the other side of the bridge they're all going off to london to work and i remember it's like snowing or raining whatever you boat and sit there and i could see people in their cars just being like fuck that but then i remember i'm sat in my single going fuck that like <laughs> yeah you know, i only sat in traffic like going to a job in london like commuting every day like i'm like yeah it kind of sucks being in the snow but like at the same time like i'm where i want to be
0: oh man there's, there's so many amazing moments and like, then when you kind of go a bit further down the track at the end and you kind of you know in the, in the kind of winter when there's that mist and you know you're kind of cutting through it and and, and it's kind of like you're on this sort of river and it's like hills and it's kind of wide open space but it's this kind of like almost this privacy to it and it's this this kind of auction awesome thing that you're doing with these other people and it, it's just there's something so special about it and um it's funny like i kind of thought maybe my career was over after tokyo i kind of thought oh maybe uh maybe i need to stop um and i started to think about it as a sort of a kind of a uh, kind of i access a thing you know with a with a bookend at that point. Mm. and um and then you kind of, at least for me, I was sort of thinking about, oh, if I could relive bits of it, which bits would I want to relive? And like, honestly, there there are some races which were awesome, but there was there was probably those like, those like moments in between where you're kind of like struggling to do whatever it is, or like you, you're kind of coming together as a group in training and trying to produce whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I think if I could maybe like, you could transport a camera back in time and like view it, I probably would want to look back at those moments mm. more than some of the other ones, so.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes the quiet moments are better than the busy ones. But also I sort of think those hard moments, it's like the price to pay to get those great moments. Mm. Like it's, sort I of think like when it's really sunny in June, July, and you're out on the water getting a tan, like that's amazing. And, you know, I could be down at, at Hanirigata, see a group and possibly be like, oh, I'd like that. But then also remember in my head, but but you don't just get to go and do that bit without paying the price earlier. Like the snow, the sleet, the hail, the cold, wet kit, like that's what that's the price you pay to have to have the really good bit
1: what you see in the summer is the house but what you build in the winter is the foundation for the house to be built on and then one cannot exist without the other totally i mean uh it makes me think of uh
0: see this this weekend just gone uh had a really good result in the women's day and uh annie camelot is stroking it and um the, the camera's sort of on her quite a bit and she's you know, she's doing a good job like you know really nice stretch out like long strokes and all these things um, in the winter she was at Leander training at Leander and I was uh, I was doing some coaching there and she was in the single and it was someday in like January it was so cold and she kept stopping because the the the, the ice was falling in her slides mm-hmm. and she's kind of, you know just getting really fed up and having to like she, she did the session kept doing it but had to keep chiseling out she had to borrow a 10 mil to keep chiseling ice out of the slides mm. um, it's like a, like a really tough day but then you know it's sort of it, it's part of this this awesome story this awesome kind of this position she's in now where she's she's kind of going really well and yeah it's great to see it on the
1: that's amazing all right so i want to hear obviously coming off of the back of your world championship with cox fair in 2016 how was the lead up to tokyo um what what changed in the team and how did you approach like coming up to 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 the tokyo olympics being in the top spot absolutely um, top dog yeah um yeah, so it, it was quite a
0: different time for british rowing we um we we had a because uh, because the team was so successful in 2016 a lot of people retired and so we we're getting a lot of people <coughs> a lot of new people in from from kind of top-end university programs but without that kind of international experience so in 2017 we were faced with a bit of a rebuilding year uh, we had some some you know, great olympians still around like in the eight we had tom ransley alan sinclair um I think in the Copsys 4, we had Will Satch and Mohammed um, and Mohamed have yeah. over here, of course. I uh, hope I've not forgotten anyone else from that 2016 team, but um, we weren't anywhere near as good as as the year before. We finished up, we, we got a few medals that year. We finished up seventh in the eight. It's pretty terrible, um, but we were kind of, you know, we'd taken that first step to rebuilding where we, you know, we were
2: building towards where we wanted to be. Seventh, seventh in the world is terrible. <laughs> we talked about this with Jack. It's the it's the um, you know the bad bit about being really really successful, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know what you are saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
0: uh, yeah. I guess re- relatively it was pretty. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, but so yeah, that was that was a really tough year. Um, and I think like also like as an as an organisation, we were kind of trying to work out you know what we were about, and there was a lot of changes going on. I think I think that was the season that David Tanner, our performance director, mm-hmm. left. Um, so that's like you know we got you know, Brendan Purcell came in to replace him. Um but, you know, with any change, there's just there's a bit of turbulence. Um so there was just yeah, things were kind of moving around us. But uh twenty eighteen we kind of kicked on in a much better way. Um Jurgen had decided he was going to coach the eight. So that's the kind of the first time I was coached kind of solely by Jurgen, which was pretty pretty awesome. Um yeah. intimidating? Oh yeah. 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 He's I mean he's like he's just his presence just kind of makes you yeah. like a little bit, I'd say probably a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I always, you know, there's always this mystery, mysticism around Jürgen. And I, I remember the first time he ever spoke to me, it was many years before that, I was an under-23 Cox and he, he came up and said, are you the under-23 Coxes? I need you to go and do some bullshit task or something. But I was kind of like, Jürgen has spoken to me. Mm. <laughs> um, but so now he was our coach and... um and like, I guess the results started to come a little bit better. And we had a much clearer idea of what we wanted to do. And Jürgen's very clear about how he wants to row the eight. Like his, his coaching is so, so simple um, and so, so effective. Um, so we kind of, I think we, yeah, we kicked on pretty well. We were kind of like second, second eight in Europe, maybe like behind the Germans. Um, and then we had a bit of a kind of dip through the Europeans. you a real shame. The only Europeans to be in the UK in glasgow we really messed that up um i think um we had a bit of illness in the boat to be fair but then we kind of came came back a bit stronger towards the end and uh finished up with a, a bronze medal with the world champs and um oh we like we went through the absolute mill i think they had the heat it was such a fast race we had the australians and the americans i think they were both maybe under 520 we were third with like a 520 and a bit or something like that wow and um uh but then we were kind of faced with the rep of death where you've got to you got to come top i think you had to come top two no yes come you had to come top one i think to maybe it was top two but anyway we um i remember it was it was such a if you ever get james rugged on here ask him about this race because he absolutely loves it yeah. um the the shot was really early so we had to like the hotel was at the, the sort of the finish of the, the start no yeah the hotel was by the start of this lake So we kind of got up and we're kind of running down the track. It's like dark. It kind of felt like you were on the way to like steal something. Um, Not that I'd ever know what that's like, but it kind of, uh, it it was, it was something kind of very unique about that, like race. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, there was this kind of tension. Jürgen gave us this like epic kind of like basically get this done (laughs) kind of speech. Um, And we went off the start and we just didn't look back. It was probably our, probably our best race of the year was that reprochage um and uh yeah uh so we got got our place in the final and had, had an awesome race at one point we were we were very very competitive for the front but we didn't quite make it and we ended up third but like for us at the time that was great it was like our first senior the ace felt like well my first senior medal mm-hmm. um so i was very pleased about that um yeah we, we just was kind of we just kind of felt like right we're back on track now we're seventh you needed to be
1: top five to qualify. Now we're third, so we're, we're back on track. Here we here we go. So I mean that's that's absolutely awesome to hear that even with uh, you know a new and up and coming squad, you still managed to get a bronze medal at World Championship, which is obviously great. When you said that Jürgen's coaching style is quite simple, in what way? So Jürgen is like mainly focused
0: on. I, I'd say it's certainly in the eight he'd be mainly focused on how we're picking the boat up around the front and how we're so how we're placing and how we're initiating drive and that would basically be the theme kind of all the way through the through the season and maybe it would kind of expand out one way or the other kind of work on a bit of blade preparation or like really holding the angle of the body out of the front but it was basically all about all about that um so you kind of you, you knew exactly what what your job was like what my job was to kind of reinforce with the crew and and what their job was in terms of
1: what Jurgen wanted to see that's great i mean you can't obviously deny that britain is not strong at the front end at all like this the the british hangers i'm pretty sure what every country in the world watches out for and they try to like imitate like how do they do this like how is the you know the the catch like always so connected and everything so i just I, i just wanted to know what was that? I was going to say? Practice makes perfect. But what was the
2: saying? Ben Lewis said, "Practice makes permanent." Yeah, oh. yeah. You're not searching for perfection. You're searching for uh, consistency, I guess. Yeah, like that. Cool. So then, um, I guess uh, we don't have to go m- too much into COVID and all that stuff. But in general, sort of run up to the Olympics and or how that event was. I guess you can't really talk about it without talking about COVID. But yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah uh, I guess, yeah, of course we um, yeah, we kind of had a 2019 similar sort of season came third at the worlds of the end, and then we had, we started to win a few races, mm. and then uh, coming into 2020, uh, we had a pretty good winter, and then um there you know, there's this kind of news about this pandemic thing, and we we kind of had this really dramatic like end to training together where we were like, I think rules had just come out saying you couldn't be inside together um so we kind of i forget exactly the day but basically there was a kind of final day of olympic trials that we had and we turned up to Cavisham thinking that it was going to be uh a day of trials the weather was really bad and so they decided to uh cancel the trial and just announce the team then and there so but because of the the guidelines we were sort of outside of the back of Cavisham by the lake and the sort of wind like raging and Jürgen's basically announcing the Olympic team and it's kind of like a kind of thinking, I mean, it's something he'd kind of always dreamed of being in and then now it's sort of happening and then they announce the team and then um, they say, right, everyone get an ergo and go home and we'll we'll update you as to what we we can do. And then I think within a week, the Olympics was postponed. Mm. And so we were kind of faced with just like, as everyone probably knows, just training on our own, we had a, a kind of uh you know, like everyone probably, we had like a sort of a WhatsApp group and we kind of checked in with each other each twice a week on Zoom and we had a we shared training date to try to keep us motivated and stuff like that. Um but yeah, kind of did that all the way through the to the through to the rest of that sort of we'll see that season out. Um we tried to like finish up with a kind of performance piece at the end so people would do like a two K. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was doing a five K run. Um not erging no I, I they wouldn't actually give me an egg uh but um yeah so that was that it was like a, an interesting time for for everyone i guess yes. um and then 2021 olympic year uh by this point there's been some more changes in the team but we've we've lost jürgen by this point mm-hmm. um so uh yeah that was that was pretty tough for us because we were sort of he was our coach, our especially our like he was our head coach, but also coached of Arbo. Yeah. Um, so that was quite a tough one to swallow and we were not really on the inside of that at all. It just sort of was yeah, caught us sort all of by surprise. Um but yeah, things kind of got reshuffled a bit and we ended up with um um yeah, we ended up with with Steve Trapmore looking after us. So that was kind of you know, he's obviously a fantastic coach. He coached me at Imperial College, he coached me at Cambridge, and now he was kind of coaching coaching us for this and and he knows about eights like i mean if, if anyone wants to see out a you know a great example of rowing he's probably looking at, at the eight that he was in in 2000 it's like an amazing race yeah um and uh so yeah we were under his guidance for the 2021 season and we we kind of kicked on pretty well we started off with the european champs and we'd uh we had this this awesome race that was kind of asked germans the romanians i think maybe the dutch were there too and um kind of true to f- normal form germany got out to a to like almost a length um like maybe 800 meters but you kind of sense that they weren't quite right mm. and then we kind of started to just chop through them and then um came through to the wind and we we hadn't beaten the germans for well at an event like that we hadn't beaten them yeah. um so that was that was pretty awesome for us we kind of thought right we're on here This all going well and um then we raced them again at World Cup 2 a few weeks later, and it was quite a different affair. It was kind of we, they beat us in the prelim, uh, and then we beat them in the final by 0.03 at a second. So it was like, it was like, oh, it's a race. Um, I just got it. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, we were going well. Um, and then that was our racing done, and it was kind of time to gear up for the games. That's all you got is like two. Just two.
2: Two international races, yeah, uh, crazy. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's all that's all we got. Sorry. It's been um and uh um so Yeah, what we got now, we yeah, we had our kind of pre-camps. Yeah, we had our pre pre games camps. Um we started our first one was in um Verese, mm. in Italy, and like and then we moved into Silbretta, so two weeks, two weeks, and then we kind of moved into a holding camp. And um it was a weird time, you know, like being so kind of locked down and we had to do so many COVID tests and all this kind of stuff. And I think to be honest, we was we we were we kind of lived a little bit in fear that the impression we got was that if we if any one of us tested positive, that would be us done for the year. Mm. And it would also kind of completely destroy the boat we were in. Mm. So there was this sort of fear the whole time. And um it was funny like post everything and you kind of talk to other Olympians and some of the swimmers who'd had covid maybe three times and then went to the olympics and got the got some amazing results but for whatever reason we were kind of yeah we were just we were trying to be super careful but it probably made us a little bit kind of tense throughout mm-hmm. the whole time and um so yeah it,
2: it was a real track as i'm sure it was for everyone else doing whatever they were doing but uh, yeah that was our kind of reality and um, yeah, it's easy looking back now and sort of knowing there's more information out, and oh, you could just go, you could just get it and nothing happens. But it's so easy to forget that back then you just didn't know and it was hitting people differently. And I can imagine yeah, the air would just be like, just add an extra level of uh, tense. And it's like you said, that you just do not need in the run up to the Olympics.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm amazed that like, you, you guys managed to like get through with that just, like all negative tests as well. Well, I mean, I think at one point
0: we had like a false positive. So we were, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think we, we kind of because we haven't been had contact with anyone, and um, and then one of the guys generates this positive test. I'm kind of thinking, how on earth has this happened? I can't can't believe it. And then we tested again. And it was it was uh, it was negative. We tested you know probably five times more, and it was negative. So, but just to be sure, yeah, it was just uh, it was. I mean, a bit, a bit of course, once that test was once that test came out, everything was locked down. Like eight was kind of put in the hotel rooms, um, you know couldn't come out for whatever it was, like twenty four hours or something like that. Yeah. Testing, testing, testing. So it was it was such a funny time. Um like I think, yeah, it was we were really lucky to be able to do what we wanted to do and that the games was actually happening and um and that we were allowed to train together. Um but it was it was also challenging as well. Mm. Um
1: yeah it made that entire Olympiad like much, much longer because obviously they were a year delayed, but they also—I think—they were a month ahead of schedule, but a year delayed. So going going into Tokyo, um, how was that? Like, what was the vibe like with the crew? Did you go there with attitude that you're going to win or that you're going to medal? Or yeah, I think we
0: we actually were the top seed going in. Um, after I guess the season we'd had, um, so we were we were feeling pretty good. I think we did, perhaps think when we actually, well, we sort of, I guess the way we were running things was we were, we sort of, we got out of Tokyo and then we had to, because of the, the various restrictions, we couldn't move into the village and we couldn't move into the, the competition venue, um, when we would perhaps like to. So we, we ended up having to do a lot of stuff on the ergo for, for, uh, for like a, a, a week leading up until when we could actually get the boat out and stuff. So I think we felt pretty good. Um but perhaps looking back, if we could possibly have got out on the water a little bit more, uh, a little bit earlier, we might have been in better stead. But um, as it was, you know, we kind of like we gave we we kind of treated well, hit that camp as best we could, and then um, yeah, and then eventually moved into the village, and uh, and then it's the competition venue.
2: So then the uh, then the race, the I guess the in general, how how did you how was the water? How did you feel it went and all through that
1: obviously it's what you wanted to do is what you wanted to do in rio and now you got the chance to do it in tokyo it was obviously a different type of olympics but like you must have been pretty excited going into the whole event oh yeah i mean it's amazing it was
0: like something i'd wanted to do for so long and uh and to be kind of you know named in the in the eight and, and kind of living that 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 life so for that period it was it was just amazing and I, I remember when we when we got to the village itself and you kind of get there and there's all this like olympic kind of branding everywhere and gb had this this block of houses sorry this 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 like almost like apartment block which was just just gb so all the athletes lived there all the coaches lived there and like it's decked out with team gb logos and stuff like that and um then we move in and we and we i just could not sleep at all like that first night i was so excited um this is just it is kind of like like nothing else and um I know I, I've heard you get like sixty kilos of kit as well. Oh I mean, like Man, It's crazy we <laughs> had a kit. We like we sort of I think my family for the next like birthday Chris <laughs> was just like Yes, i got this, i got you, this Olympic kit. um yeah, it's it's absolutely mental. i least not doing that with Rogue Kit because we've
1: had so much <laughs> Rogue stuff made, like <laughs> and Dad, here's, <laughs> here's a rogue gear sliders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 crazy. And and then you get all these gifts when you go as well. Yeah. We it's mad, actually. Thinking about it, like we got given a phone. Uh, really? There's like a Samsung phone
1: with the Olympic like logo on it that every athlete got given. Really? It's crazy, and it's not just the, the the regular edition. It's like a specific one for for just the Olympians. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. And um, and I was just I was just so excited to just like
0: like I'm in my particular room, kind of looked out onto Tokyo Bay, and you had the the Rainbow Bridge. It was just um, and I I, I would kind of. Try and go for like little walks or runs in the evening just to keep you know, keep the belly under control and uh, and you're kind of running around and you know you've kind of got this whole like story of like I guess trying to do something really well, and going through the ups and downs to get there and and then you're there and there's, there's yeah. these other people who have got all of their own st- sort of stories to get them there and you're kind of kind of thinking I'd love to know but you can possibly there's so many of them and, and you're sort of I was like running around this this bit of the. The village, and you are kind of running past boxers who were sparring, and I even ran kind of uh, near some some Kenyans. They were very fast. I was never going to get faster, but um, <laughs> just stay with them for like ten just seconds. Just a <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: They're
0: just warming up, and oh, it was it was yeah, it's kind of mad. And then you kind of we couldn't go outside the village um because of the restrictions and, and what have you. But I'd sort of try and fit in a reasonable run, so I'd run to the edges of the village, and then there would be some some Japanese um kind of locals I guess who would be kind of waiting at the edges just waving at you and you kind of wave back and it, it was just a yeah it's crazy it's a crazy kind of experience and you kind of um there's part of you that w- wants to really take it in and like try and make mental notes but then also you're there to kind of do this job and so it's a, it's a funny yeah it's a funny one um what about the food hall oh the food hall is Crazy, like i uh, obviously I, I couldn't really eat so much because mm-hmm. i was sort of in full race trim but you could kind of like have whatever you wanted basically and there's much of it I and mean, so like, there's like a mcdonald's in there as well there wasn't actually this time uh, apparently there normally was but i think they yeah they, they weren't involved this time but th- there's kind of that equivalent yeah and um yeah you basically just whatever cuisine you like get it come back and then and then if you want more go get it and then there's like a whole floor above that with basically the same sort of stuff um with covid we had like all these screens up and things and so it's a bit it's a bit funny but um yeah so i i remember like post i was kind of like making notes as i went around like yeah after the final i think i was i was so like my son was so little by the end i i I had all these chicken wings
2: I, i managed like three gyoza i was like i'm full I, yeah. I always remember after the 23s like in the airport on the on the flight back seeing the lightways come back from mcdonald's i like i think one time will fletcher has like 12 burgers oh like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you treat yourself yeah. <laughs> shout out will yeah Before, i think he even ate them all as well Pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressed, pretty impressed by that. nice so that's unlimited sushi in the food hall in a japanese olympics oh. Amazing. amazing and then the yeah. other rumor i've heard a lot about is the oakley
2: store at the olympics like once you make an a-final don't you get to go and get a pair or something like that oh, I don't know. we were kind of i don't we were kind of encouraged not to move around too much so i don't so know if that it didn't
0: happen yeah but we but we uh we got given a whole load of them that was also and yeah, yeah. I, I like came back and saw like yeah, kind of, <laughs> that <Yeah>. so, <laughs> <laughs> um but what yeah i think what what did we try to think well, there was one um the A6 were there and they had this sort of thing like, Yeah, we're gonna measure your your sh- your feet with this laser measure and we're gonna give you some sh- shoes that perfectly fit. And um so I thought oh, that sounds amazing. We went there and it was just kind of um you kind of put your foot on this thing, which is basically some it's like kind of theatre. Yeah. So they this like randomly la- someone's like with a laser pin, just
2: <laughs> like,
0: oh, your size is this. And then you get it, it's like that's one of my size. They're like, well, what is your size? I'm like, it's this, and like no, <laughs> But you got some free shoots so that's kind of cool. Um uh no, it was just it was just crazy. Uh it was a re- really kind of, yeah, amazing sort of vibe. And um and it was funny as well, like, because you kind of there's all these different people from different nations, like with different kit on, but you kind of feel like there's something you've all got in common, mm-hmm. and that's like you're you're a 2021 like Olympian and you're all mm-hmm. trying to achieve this thing. It, it's just yeah, I don't want to get too emotional about it, but it was quite like it was special
2: i, I think you should be i want it to be <laughs> i want it to i want to know that it is you know you want to know that when you get it that it's it's worth doing and i think you want to know that the pursue was worth it so that's nah, good it's good to hear
1: so how long were you in the village before the racing started i'm not great with remembering details but
2: yeah probably a yeah uh, i don't know probably a ballpark like four
0: days something like okay. that um yeah um yeah, not not too long, not too long. Um, but yeah, we we got a good good few days training on the lake. The lake itself was quite like I think what yeah it was quite like um, it was basically they'd like taken a, sh- a sort of shipping canal and um, or shipping lane or whatever you call it like something on the on a shore and basically dammed it. Um, so it was kind of like water was pretty good, but there was a lot of wind mm. around. So you kind of predominantly kind of go off the start, and there would be a bit of a tailwind, Then you come up like through the sort of like third or fourth, 500, it'd be a massive crosswind and then go a bit further and it would kind of turn into a cross tail and then it would be more like tail again. So it was very like, quite like tricky, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got a, a good few few days on it before we, we kicked in. And then uh, just heat and final? No, we had a heat rep final. Uh, yeah, it, it was quite, um, we, we probably, had, well, we certainly had a really tough regatta. Um, we went in as the top seed and then we kind of, we pr- probably probably weren't as like uh probably weren't rowing as well as we had done earlier in the season and like um there's was a reasonable amount of disruption we had to sort of contend with soon but you know you got to roll with the the situation you're in and the the our heat was quite an interesting one in terms of like you kind of expect that and i guess i think you were saying earlier you sort of like expect the unexpected kind of mm-hmm. thing. and we had like the unexpected basically we were like we kind of got attached and um i think because no one had, like, run a race for a while. Um, well, I mean, there'd been a few, but a lot of people that maybe were normally involved in running races just were a bit out of practice. And mm-hmm. we got attached. Uh, the sort of... In in these races, uh, you have, like, a plastic boot that comes up and, like, kind of grabs your bow, and you kind of sit in that. So you don't have to worry about the crosswind. It just kind of holds you straight. Anyway, we're in this boot, and um, then something starts happening with the boat. It just starts kind of vibrating in a weird way, and I wasn't really sure what was going on. Um uh but you know you kind of think oh, i guess it's fine like you know all you all you can do is just be ready to go mm. um and they do the call over i think it was us the dutch and the and the new zealand team and um they call us over and then um how it would normally be is they say attention and then like a um, the light would come up and then the light would go out and the light would come out and they'd get this buzzer but so how it went was they called us over got attention then we kind of held for like quite a long time. And then um, over the tannoy came the word, sorry, and, um, and then the word, go. Kind of not even like, go. It was just like a kind of like a question. Um, so it was just a, it was, I, I kind of I sensed that at the time something kind of crazy was happening. And I was like just breathing over the mic because I didn't want to kind of speak over whatever was about to happen. But I was just breathing like be ready like something is about to happen but anyway but the, then there was this this kind of this go and um the credits the dutch uh they just like leapt out like as absolutely they should but like we were kind of a bit like unsettled by it, and we didn't really get going and then in an in, eight, in like it's sort of fatal mm. um so we kind of like and there was this, this kind of confusion as to what had happened and um so we kind of gave it our best shot but like ultimately we didn't handle that situation as good as the Dutch and as good as the Kiwis and um, we finished third so like after the heats you sort of if you kind of look to the times we'd probably be the fifth like ranked crew of the Men's Day event event um, and uh, yeah and then you're kind of like thinking oh my god this is like our Olympic dream we won every race running into this and now like we've just completely dropped the ball somehow um, obviously the situation was kind of unexpected but you've got to handle it mm. um, so we kind of uh, you know came off and like tried to work out what we could do better ultimately just handling that handling like that situation would would, would have helped a lot um, and we probably weren't going to have that again but also yeah the way we were rowing and you know the way we were like co- like trying to row and trying to deliver our race we could have done that
2: better mm. Was there any apology from did anyone like go and say like uh, that's not how you start a race uh, I, I I think like i mean it was 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 done by that
0: point i think it was kind of done by that point and um a lot of us just didn't really know what would happen because you kind of in there it was a bit crazy and and like there was this you know i i didn't know that the lights hadn't gone out because i never know about the lights Mm -hmm. i'm never looking that way but um yeah it was a bit of a strange one but so we're in the rep and um trying to deliver like some trying to try to row a bit more our way We, we basically like for us it was really important that we organize off the back and like separate well we just weren't really doing that and then um had some like tough conversations and then, um, looking to kind of deliver more ass fingerprint in the rep and, and um, to be fair, we did do that better, but like we, we got out to a bit of a lead, but then the, the New Zealand team eventually rode through us again. And, um, so by the end of the rep, we kind of got ourselves into the final, but we were now like probably ranked four, like, so we were probably, yeah, after the heats ranked fifth, after the rep, fourth fastest crew and then into the final. And I think we, we probably tried to like, we probably tried to come in and experiment a little bit with what we were trying to do. Like we kind of, we've been going well, but we we're trying to, trying a few things out. And I think we probably needed our race in the rep in the heat. So we could kind of develop from that point on, but as it was, we had it in the rep and we just had to hit this final as best we could. So we ended up kind of reverting back a little bit to more what we'd done earlier in the season, like length, a little bit lower rate, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, we, we fired it off and we're like right in the mix, um, for the front runners with, with Germany, the, um, the New Zealand team a little bit further back. And then I think in the third 500, if I remember right, the New Zealand's put in a really good push and took control of the race. And that was kind of like pretty decisive. And they were then, that, that was then their race to kind of control that left us and the Germans to sort of fight it out. And it was, it ended up being really tight at the end with us and the Germans, but ultimately they they got the silver and we, we collected the bronze um, uh, so like I think on the one hand we were really we we'd kind of wanted to win absolutely you know we were we were the top seed and we had a really good season um, after the heat really really difficult result but we had progressed really well in that point so we can kind of we could be take a bit of solace in that but I think Initially it was a feeling of we haven't really done what we set out to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's always hard, obviously. Yeah, uh, with like you said, the weight of of being a being in a British eight and uh, what happened in uh in Rio and all those things, like it's always tough. I think you get further away from the composition competition, you could kind of see, like you said, how it went, like how all things went down and like you can only do your best and mm-hmm. like if win, lose or draw, like races that I've won are lost and you know i've lost Henley by a foot and at the time it sucked but i look back on it and be like there was nothing else i could have done you know that was the best i did so and difficult i guess in terms of the team in general but like you know to come away with a medal is still it's still a medal yeah i mean i think i i probably i uh i remember after
0: the race uh tom ford and i have been taken off into this like media area and um We were going to talk to the BBC about something, and we we but it basically meant that while we wait for this to happen, we had a bit of time to ourselves, and we had our medals on, and we're kind of looking at them and kind of thinking like, how much we would have loved to have something else, but um, but also like this is actually maybe this is quite cool, like you know, rewind five years, you'd have given anything for this. So actually, maybe this we can start to feel a little bit positive about it. But then there was some. Uh, one of the guys on the boat had sort of said something in an interview just prior, um, which had caused a lot of media kind of, um, or it just caused a little bit of like a stir. And then our media lady sort of bursts in. It's like, okay, it's like, it's really kicking off out there. Of this is happening. It's going to, so just as we were probably starting to think like, maybe this is, it kind
2: of all kind of kicked off. And, uh, oh, yeah. I think it's the, um, it's the double-edged sort of being, uh, you know, of having that, fantastic ability to drive yourself on and always want more and that's great but also sometimes can rob you of what you do achieve mm-hmm. we spoke before a lot with a lot of people and um you know when we ask people some advice they give themselves again like it's a common theme that comes up is to take a minute every now and again to to be happy with what you've done and I'm super guilty of, of it as well you know and like I look back on my career I didn't get to the bricks. that was the aim for me I never went there and it's very easy to just push everything else to the side it's like something you never but the further I get away now, I sort of just catch myself in the car sometimes being like, You fucking sure you are in the C senior G B T like for a bit. Like not, not not exactly where you want to be, but like fucking you know like some people would kill for that. And Absolutely. like it's 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 hard to do because you're chasing perfection. Um, but yeah, I definitely think for anyone out there who's struggling with what they have or haven't achieved, like take a minute every, every now and again to be like hey that was that was all right I was all right at that yeah I did I did well and I think sometimes it takes like a bit of context
0: like because you're in it and you're like you're just surrounded by all these people who have done it
2: mm.
0: and you know or in the team and it's just it's you're all there and then I, I it, for me it was probably when I got home and then I started seeing my friends and family I hadn't really seen much because of like all the restrictions, and. um people wanted to like see this medal and i we was so like amazed by it, not like and, like, like it's so heavy like can i get a photo i'm like yeah yeah of course and then like and then before i know it like someone who i don't even know is like oh is that the medal oh, my god I'm, like i'm gonna i'm gonna and it's like going all the way around the side i'm like okay no actually i kind of want that back but. <laughs> <laughs> um but then you kind of i kind of I, now i think you know i'd always you know you always want more and stuff but now i like i've like got it in my little you know drawer and i like to in
2: know. a drawer it's not on display no i kind of i mean I, I that's like too much may, i don't know i i, well, all this stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> normally have all of this out <laughs> i just decide, i don't know if we've even spoke about this on camera like we put all this up for the for the podcast we did start taking it down again but then as now we're doing one a week a lot of it just just stays yeah. up and lives there and I, I feel a little bit sometimes someone like some of our friends will come and visit who don't yeah. yet know that i'm doing the podcast and i yeah. see them looking at it like You've built a shrine to yourself. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: <laughs> no, no no no. That's for the up. I mean, like, is some of this stuff is so great. Like, and and I, I I I do I get it out sometimes. I have a little look at it. Like, well, that's good. you again Yeah. And like and, and like look some of this stuff here. Like, I mean, like, it's just epic.
2: Um, I mean, the red box. Yeah. Have you, you got some red? How many red boxes have you got?
0: Uh, uh, three. I I've got three. But nah. um, they. I mean, it's like yeah. We we won this one together. We won. That was so good. <laughs> one, one of those world championship ones to meta together so. yeah i mean yeah it's, it's i think like a little bit of context you kind of realize actually like you know being in the team with yeah. henley like these things are, or even just you know winning just anything any kind of like you know it's just it, it's it's really cool and i think um it's sometimes i think it's so you're in this like this zone and this mode of like go, oh, oh, and, and, it, and it happens and whatever and and you're kind of it's just you've got so much like almost momentum Mm. trying to and you've got to like slow down and start and be like actually we did some good stuff and we can we can enjoy that and I think we should enjoy that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it just speaks to the it's a statement to your attitude as an athlete where you can come away from the Olympics with a medal and be like wasn't good enough. You know, when everyone goes there to, to, to try and win and to try and try and medal and again I think this is exactly why gb team wins as much as they do because everybody just one thing that like is so different in british sport for example compared to polo where i'm from is that any competition you'd have gold silver and bronze it doesn't matter if it's a regional competition or if it's a national competition in britain there's a winner and that's it and there's a loser oh you came second nah you didn't come second you didn't get silver you lost so I think that's where that stems from. So no second in the boat race, no second at Henley. Yeah, there's a few events where we where we don't do that as much. So obviously coming back from Tokyo and being home, um, that must have that must have been incredible. How long before you got back in the boat again since the Olympics? Poor, I, I think, um,
0: yeah, not that long actually. I uh, UL um, UL kind of came a calling. Uh, Jubal Gulliver kind of got the um, got this, you know, great opportunity to go and coach at Oxford Brooks. And he was coaching you at the time, and um, you know, he's he had to kind of jump jump at that opportunity for sure, you know. And uh, but it kind of left you well, sort of uh, maybe on the back foot, trying to find like someone to look after their program. So, so Brian Young stepped in as a sort of intermediary head coach, and then kind of just basically put out the call like, can anyone help? Um, and I was thinking, yeah, absolutely, I've I've got time. Um, so I I went down and um kind of wanted to coach, but ultimately was put in the ULA to you know fire it up and uh, and they, them to fire me up. Really, like I was pretty tired and burnt out after the Olympics. So it was quite like a yeah, it was it was um yeah, it wasn't too long, and it was great to be back on the river and you know kind of dodging my flats and you know
2: banging oars with some yeah, it was it was great fun and then so like you said it took a bit of time to decide whether you wanted to keep going or not and other things in your life getting more sort of more into the forefront when i was kind of working out how to if i wanted to come back i um
0: i think i probably was quite tired of of the sport and, and i was i think i was really really burnt out and um, by just probably the whole like covid thing like living to the to the regulations to the letter like being having quite a lot of like isolation from people you can sort of care about mm-hmm. and then and then like the
2: covid olympics I, I was i was pretty pretty tired by the end of all that i think anyone would be like it's all consuming and also as well like ignorance is bliss sometimes before you've done an olympiad it's like i want this yeah and then like go for your second one you're like okay i knew what it
1: took to get that so yeah. there's some tre- trepidation in, in
2: stepping back in the
1: ring, but I can also imagine just having to watch every single step every day. Just like we cannot have a test go the wrong way for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: yeah. It, it, yeah, I was. I mean, it's it's funny. You can't really get away normally with it as a cock saying like, "Yeah, I was quite tired," <laughs> 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 but I really was. I really was very, very, very fatigued by it, all and um and like just mentally so. And I hadn't really. I hadn't really kind of worked out what i needed to feel better um uh but having you know with ul kind of asking me to come down and help like that sort of started to feel like that like love for it again um because i mean we were kind of talking about maybe putting a henley go together after the olympics just after the olympics Mm -hmm. and i was kind of like thinking no way and then oh let's go to henley anyway and have a good time i was like no i don't want to see running at all I don't want to think about it I don't want to hear about it but it was when I went down to UL and started to coach these you know these these sort of like great great student athletes um started to fall in love with it again and I thought okay I'm I'm, I think I'm getting back on this horse and then I I I, then I did get back on the horse and
2: yeah I was a decision uh you know to go for the for the women's squad was that I mean that was quite new at that point I can't remember what year that first got changed the rules got changed on that
0: yeah, so the uh, the women's squad, the women's, I guess, yeah, coxes became gender neutral in twenty seventeen. I okay. so, like, there've been a few, um, like, I guess if I think just off the top of my head, Caleb Shepherd is like a great cox from New Zealand, coxed eight in Tokyo to silver medal. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, I kind of I think of the, basically the the the, the, the cox like a bunch of coxes turned out, and um, we were asked for the first time, which squad do you want to be in? And I was sort of said, oh, I. I actually don't like have a preference, but I was in the men's squad, so I kind of was doing the men's squad stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um and Harry Brightmore, it's like a fantastic Cox um Cox to the Men's day now, was in that mix as well. And um as a we were basically like switching round for the men's spot. So I think he took it for the for the World Cup one in Belgrade. I coxed them in uh coxed them in Henley and uh, for um, Lucerne. Mm. And it was at that point, though, that um, I was told that actually they wanted to go the way of Harry, um, which I was kind of I mean, obviously like, you know, disappointed about. Like, you know, you kind of, kind of been on sort of, I guess, yeah, and you've been in that team for so long. And then it kind of like, kind of getting to the point where that you're kind of not in that team anymore is was like, was, you know, it's obviously a tough thing. Sure. And, um, but like, you kind of could understand it, like you know, he's he's like he's epic, and yeah. like, you know he's doing a great job. Um, and I, yeah, I probably, I, I don't know if I tell myself like this, but I, I, I probably didn't really feel like maybe the best version of me <clears throat> through all of that. I think I probably was still, still a bit burnt out. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the result would have been any different. I think he would have still got it, but I think I, yeah, I probably looking back, I w I wasn't my best self, I think, through that. Not I'm not saying that, you know, I kind of I was, you know, uh <laughs> off the rails or doing anything like, you know, I just think I probably I wasn't super happy. I wasn't enjoying it like I had done. Mm. And and maybe part of that is, you know, a lot of a lot of my like people that I'd come up with were now like gone. Yeah. Um, you know, people that like Ollie Cook or Alan Sinclair, the people that and you know, just it, it's a different, a different cohort. And I I probably I didn't. I, I don't think I really fit into that group. I wasn't. I, I think I wasn't really the right person for it.
1: Um, so you sorry. can't. You can't just always be riding at the peaks. It's normal to have ups and downs, and like obviously, in order to to jump to the new peak, sometimes you just have to like go down and progress isn't linear. So that's yeah. John Klein spoke about about you know, obviously the difficulty You know,
2: with him, he's been to two Olympics and, and maybe not got the result he wants, and and there's a there's a real hangover from that, um, and I think mm-hmm. difficult to also quantify. Um, continuing life after having done what it was culminating towards for, for 15 plus years so yeah i don't think you can obviously just be really hard on yourself because that is who you are and that's why you are where you are but um yeah like you said at some point you sort of look back and be like okay yeah i can see why maybe i wasn't hitting at my yeah. absolute best it, it was a it was a funny time and there was like
0: like i was trying to i found everything hard that year like i found like like managing my weight was really hard like I would like I would run run and run for like I would do like everything was kind of in the teens I'd run a few times of like you know probably like three or four times a week every run would be somewhere in the teens and I'd be hardly eating anything and my weight would just be high mm. and I was, I was kind of like what's going on yeah I've never had this before um, but anyway so I was uh, after Lucerne I was kind of given the chart well I was basically out and um, and I think at that point I, um, I kind of had the chance to sort of take a bit of a moment and think about things. And, um, I was sort of asked by the team to like help out, um, <clears throat> some of the group that was staying behind for the world championship. So there was a pair of, uh, Matt Roster and Jacob Dawson, mm-hmm. uh, I was asked to coach and then, um, Harry Dennis there as well, who was kind of, um, coming back from, from injury and, um, Shadow Glenn yeah you know we like, like i mean they're all just fantastic guys and uh so it kind of that was a bit of a project for me but it also gave me the chance to work on a few things myself like i i was kind of like well i just got to think about everything i do um uh you know what how am i how am i what am i eating like what's what's like i'm getting older i don't know if i've got a bit of silver here i think <laughs> <know, silver, laughs> like, um and, it's all uh, right maybe our cameras aren't good enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can just like put a bit of it yeah i don't know but uh so maybe my metabolism is changing so, so I, I kind of find out this nutritionist to be like look, this is my situation uh i was kind of i talked to um like uh I, I, yeah i talked to a, a psychotherapist like you know this is like where my head's at like what about this like, what do you think and i, I kind of um i ba- basically everything that i do i basically had got someone to come and like give me give me an opinion on kind of yeah, yeah. look at and um and i think that's it was I, I think it's really, really, really important. Like like I think it's it was the start of me feeling like probably a lot more like myself again, a lot more like I kind of was was able to like um have the impact on boats that I wanted to. Um so we kind of uh there was that sort of block there, but then like kind of somewhere in the middle of that, um, we we're asked to race the coastal world championships, which is oh, nice. just awesome. In my uh-huh. home. yeah. Like I mean, it's absolutely mad. So I, I kind of got to do that in a in a quad uh, with um, uh, who was stroking Jacob Dawson stroking. Uh, I think then it was maybe Matt Roster, Ollie Cook, and then Rich Clark. And um, it's just carnage. It's just like so fun. You kind of you, you sort of you start these races on the on land, um, and you've got to have your feet on the ground. There's someone behind, and they, they say attention go and then you kind of jump in the boat i've got a rudder in my hand that i then like bang through the bottom of the boat someone's pushing you out like you're a bobsled and then you just <laughs> rack on and and uh and it's basically a contact sport you kind of you're going along and you're kind of banging into each other you're steering around all these like honestly such fun uh would would really recommend but um yeah it's a bit of a side now i guess
2: no it's cool it's um that's sort of it's brilliant cool. it's going into the commonwealths uh, so, yeah. yeah yeah beach sprint stuff now um so england Wales, scotland Ireland, all gonna have an opportunity to to get because commonwealth well, when it last was like twenty wasn't it? it was sort of the last time rowing was involved in the commonwealth games it's kind of been a bit separate oh, so pretty cool for those countries to be able to to get back in the actual full games as opposed to just like the, the separate regard but um yeah but yeah no going back to, to what you said i think it's like again like another reason why we started this like it's I think it's so important that people who listen to this and anyone who's young and rose on the rest of it get to hear that even the best struggle sometimes and uh you need to have help and I like some people can feel embarrassed about saying oh, I have to go to a therapist or I have to speak to a nutritionist and I actually like it's so important to say this yeah, yeah yeah definitely and for other people to see it because I think also when you're in that point you know for you you know I'm struggling with my weight I've never struggled with my weight before like Am I the only person struggling with my weight? Has anyone else been here? And it's like, yeah, no, they have. And um, again, like another thing I want to sort of listen to you talk about um in the Olympics about, oh, you know, okay, so like after the the heat, you know, we really need to just focus on sort of shape around the back. And as a coach, it was something I would say sometimes, once you've got a crew to the point that they know how they're rowing and you're just either focusing on front or the back of stuff, I'd say I'd say there's probably a crew at Cavisham today, the GB rowing center, working on the shape on the back. Like rowing is the same for everyone and we we'll all work on the same things and again like that's the point where I think for you you just sort of said it oh yeah it was just something we need to work but I, I think for me it's like I a, a, a think about myself back as a young kid I was like I was working like you know like my coach was telling me about shape yesterday and I think
1: like it's really cool to hear that that there's so many similarities no matter what level you're at and this is also awesome to hear that you managed to like get back to being the version of yourself that you said that had the impact on the boats that you like really wish that you had and like obviously that's really showing the results of like this year and everything so when did you first start coxing the women's team oh so um yeah it was start of the season we kind of rocked up
0: and um yeah i, I basically had a had a conversation with their coach andrew and i said like i want to throw my hat in the ring for this i actually had my sort of wanted to throw my hat in the ring last year, but, you know, I was kind of in this trial for the mm. for the men's boat. And um uh he was like, Okay, well, you know, we we've we'll we'll have a look at you. We've gotta we've gotta put a process together and and uh and that kind of involved me basically going back to Leander for a bit, which I kind of thought, oh no. <laughs> Sounds like a death sentence to me. But um but it wasn't, to be fair. It was exactly as he said. And um so it kind of uh it meant that I I did a bit there and then a bit of Cavishir, and we kind of alternated like that. And I, I, um, I got to race with with, with what? Well, we did a bunch of races with Leander. We did um, did some fixtures with, with uh, with Oxford Women's Team. Um, we did the the Women's Head, and I actually had the best time. I kind of like, you know, I kind of said like I started to fall back in love with it with mm. the, with the UL stuff. With like, with the Leander Women's Team, I started to fall in love with it even more. And and I kind of, I had I had such a good time there, honestly. And I kind of felt really well supported by them and then um uh rossi the coach ross hunter uh, rich chambers like they were just you know they were kind of obviously they, they had you know there were other coaches around and like they had to be fair but they i felt like i wasn't getting i was getting treated fairly mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome and um and it kind of meant i got to be on the river and you know i like steer around bends and stuff and i kind of just like back to the roots a little bit and mm. um and then uh, basically, it all kind of culminated in um, in like a coxing trial at Habersham, uh, where we kind of we spent basically a week, like in two two eights side by side, like everything recorded. It was pretty intense, um, but it was like, um, yeah, I, I felt like I felt like I, I was. I mean, I was very very pleased that it went the way it did, and I'm I'm now able to cox the the GB Women's Eight. Um, I had an amazing time with it, and. Um, yeah, I just feel like I'm. I'm almost at my best. Uh, I, I mean, I, th- I feel like I am at my best, and uh, awesome. yeah, I'm really glad to. Go.
2: And then, for, and in terms of like, approaching it with the women, is it any different? Uh, is there some different things to learn, or is it pretty much you doing the same job, same athlete, same mindset? It's it's really funny. Like I, everyone asks me, like, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah like
0: I think it's it's in. It, it, like, that's <laughs> a funny question. Is if like you're able to kind of, kind of comment on the difference between like. Men and women everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh I mean it's if I if I compare like the men's team in twenty the twenty twenty one cycle and then the, the twenty sixteen cycle that I was even though I didn't go to the Olympics, I was kinda there the whole time and like the groups are like tremendously different and the team, the vibe was so different. I think Jack said it in his podcast that the 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 vibe of the twenty sixteen group was like really good. Like you kind of I mean, I was like the, I was the the you know it's a bit of a size shoot here but like i, I was like the, the bottom cox in that team but like where is my birthday and Like, people would like got me these got me all these presents i like i had obviously i'm always in a camp like this they got me like when you one of those and i had the like it was i like like i remember and would take the time to kind of like make me a seat in the Cox pair like, are you comfortable this that and the other like and it, everyone was just going out of their way for everyone and i think in the in the 2020 team it was, it was a bit different it really probably wasn't quite as positive as that like you know I love all those guys um, but it was a, it was so different and now with the women like it's different again mm. um, and I think uh, so So the difference is I'm I, I not necessarily I'm not sure if it's because you know they're women or, or whatever because you know I was with two groups of men that were very different too yeah, but yeah. I think like in my head I'm trying to I'm trying to approach it in, in a similar way like rowing is rowing just as you were saying like you know, the, the J14s down the road are working on the same stuff. It was like the GB men's eight down at Cavisham. And, and it's the same for us. Like, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to place well, propel the boat with time under the water and, and then organize again. Um, I think so. Yeah, it, there's a lot of similarities. I think like there, there are like differences between this group and maybe the last group I was in, in that I feel that people are, I feel like maybe with men, like, some of the men's days i was in and me as well you know people ask you know how are you doing and you're like i'm fine yeah yeah i'm fine even if you're maybe having a terrible day but i feel perhaps the, the the group that we have now i feel like there's a real honesty with every with between everyone like you can kind of say how you're feeling and and it kind of allows you to be more supportive perhaps yeah that's awesome
1: yeah and in terms of aggression obviously like when you're racing the speeds are a little bit different and you might hear like something different going on d- during the being in the middle of a six lane race what's, what's that like? I think like it's, I mean it's
0: kind of in the middle of my racing experience in that like I've been in the in the men's eight, which is like super quick I've been in the culture pair which is like very very slow <laughs> yeah. and so it's kind of like it, I mean it still feels like very fun I said, yeah. and, and, uh, and I think like it, at the end of the day it's an eights race and you want to kind of seize the advantage and then kind of consolidate um, obviously some of our races haven't really gone that way um but yeah i think it it, it it is it is it is similar but you know i'm still kind of working it out like this sort of you're like oh is it bits of it feel like maybe great men's aids i've been in the past but bits of it maybe feel like great kind of cult sports i've been in mm-hmm. the past and like and bits of it feel completely unique so I, i'm sort of i'm i'm keeping myself really open to
2: like learning about it that's sort of the best way you can do isn't it yeah yeah never stop learning like i think that's the best way and obviously you have some good results as well it's in going pretty well yeah so confidence coming into the into the world yeah i think so I, th- I think like we've kind of got to the point now in
0: the season where we have beaten everyone and everyone has beaten us <laughs> so it's all out all to play for so i think i think it's going to be i think it's everyone is a very similar speed i, I think like okay we, we won the last one but i don't think that means you know that we're you know front runners at all from sure. is and there's other people to come back into i think it's going to be very close and um, I think it'll be a great race. So, yeah, encourage people to watch it. And I was so excited,
1: excited about that one. I'm just curious. Like, obviously, that team's done so well this year. Like, you've just recently won gold at the World Cup 3 with the... Was it World Cup 3? Yeah, yeah, with the with the incredible finish. And I think got silver at Europeans. So, there's definitely so much speed in that crew. How are you feeling for, like, going into Paris? Like, obviously, it's it's just about a year away from now, isn't it? Hmm uh yeah i mean
0: we we are sort of taking it day by day um we we got to qualify the boat first so the world champs we've got to come top five and like i said i think the field's pretty tight and there are other players to come in so i think we we want to we want to do that first um and then we can obviously the the dream is to go to paris and and to you know produce a really great performance but um yeah i think like you were saying before like it's we got to kind of ground ourselves to to the process and 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 kind of i think maybe use the dream to kind of like have that bit of motivation but then be very grounded that we we've got to we've got to train well and we've got to we've got to get the thing in in the qualification spot first
2: yeah yeah yeah. awesome man. i'm I'm excited though you're talking about when you're part of the team and you're not where you want to be it can be a real real struggle because you want the best for your mates but also i want to get back in there but as soon as i finish rowing like it was such a great moment to me because I could like be so, so happy for everyone like, and see like my boys like getting medals and like I'm not in the mix so it's fine so I would be fucking be wild man I'd love to see you do well, well obviously so, like, I hope I hope it all goes well
1: I mean the yeah the entire GB team looks so strong into yeah. the Paris Olympics we've made some predictions not not on no oh, yeah no I'm not putting them on camera yet no 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 yeah. we're not we're not putting them on camera but we've made some predictions I think there's going to be so much to like look forward to when it comes to next year and obviously World Championships are only like two months away from now, so not even maybe. So I'm I'm just really really excited to like sit down and and tend to watch some, tend to tell you on this and, and watch that. Stuff, yeah. Absolutely, right. We just got to finish with uh, with our quick round questions. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so what's the favourite rowing venue that you've been at, uh, visited, or have trained at? Uh, I mean, I
0: had an amazing time at. Um, the cut in uh, in in, in um, Seattle, uh, where where Washington train. I think at the time it was such a I'd been reading The Boys in the Boat and uh, we kind of got there and like the boat's up in the rafters and it's such a kind of there's so much great history there. The Shell boat house. Yeah, um oh, it's just it's just amazing. Um so much history and yeah, I I, I had an amazing time. Um I think like I think um I mean I love coming back to the Tideway. I know it's smelly, but it's my home and I I actually love it. So and that's two that um you well, go, there's
1: someone that loves the Tideway. <laughs>
2: that's
1: it, that's it. If you were to repeat one race or like participate in a regatta when you're 60, what would it be and why? Oh, um and this is this is kind of kind of
0: reliving it as your mm. younger self kind of thing. The one you do again. Um well, um, love to have another crack at the Olympics and see if there's anything we could do. But uh, on, a, on a more serious note, I think I, it would probably be one of three. It would probably be like the 2014 Cox pair um, with Alice and Claire and Scott Durant. Like it was just a, like your first one, you know, you always to be at first, first like kind of achievement like that. And it, it was, uh, it was a wonderful time. Um, maybe 2013 ladies plate. like, oh, just, we were just, not good enough to be in the team, but we we were definitely more than the sum of our parts, so it was an awesome awesome time or um all that coastal championships like honestly, like it's just so fine like you've got to please do it a go I'' yeah. so good i'm going to get
1: um, we're going to go back to training just to do the coastal championships, and if oh, we need sure. the Cox, we'll definitely give you a shout oh yeah yeah, please uh the one I like
2: to ask is um if you could travel back in time to the u. Uh, the age you were when you first really caught the bug for rowing. What piece of advice would you give that kid? Uh, yeah, I think I think what I say is like, um,
0: don't worry, don't apologise for liking the things you like or wanting to do the things you want to do. Like, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to row, little guy, go for it. And um, and and like, you know, fully like, don't worry, like
1: things will things will be all right. Like you, you'll work it out. I like that. awesome so I guess in terms of coxing it might be different for the last question but who's your rowing idol or the person that you've been you've looked up to the most oh like
0: I think when I was a kid I was blessed with some amazing coaches uh like yeah I think like Bobby Catch was one of my early coaches and he was you know kind of really really looked up to him and uh he kind of held us to a, a very high standard um i think probably i I, f- I found like that um that sydney race in the men's eight um we were shown that in our first year of school uh as like a kind of i think they were trying to show us that we were had no idea how to push hard uh so they played us for us but i, I remember that that race and that crew was very yeah really inspiring to me like the way they the way they did things and the way they rode and um so I kind of found myself often kind of checking in with with that bit of coverage or or what have you. So I, and I, I guess you know, kind of well, I could give it a crack and naming everyone in there, but obviously, you know, Brody Douglas was the coach for that one. So um, yeah, like p- probably that crew, I guess, and then um, and then you know, like all the like teammates you've had along the way, like they just kind of gets to that point, I think. So um, yeah.
2: Awesome.
1: Awesome. I I've got I've got I've got one more question. It Go just on. came to mind. Obviously, I've heard a really good answer to this question when we were on the regatta circuit and I've managed to like ask a few coxes this. What's your favorite call and why? <laughs> and there is a good answer to that. So I wonder if you're gonna have a better one. Oh goodness. Uh um, I don't know. I don't know. Did Do you-, Do you wanna hear the one that I heard? Go on. Yeah. Down? <laughs> I was thinking of that. <laughs> thinking of that, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember
2: after our first under under-23s, we did um, we had a training camp in like uh, just a training weekend maybe at Cammisham with under 23s and we had we would do some like side by side eight battling. And uh, I was in your crew, and uh, <laughs> I mean, there was quite a few boys that hadn't done a world, and so no, I was only a few that had. So I think for the one first time in my life, I was probably puffing my chest a little bit too much. And me, we, you were talking about like uh, the final nail in the coffin. Oh yeah. So I think you call out nail in the coffin. And I was like, yeah, boy. It's like- nail in the coffin. Turn the screw. Stick the knife in. And then we finish. We finish the thing. We're stirring around, and from the bank, Pete Shepherd just goes, uh, "Tom Clark, a little less chat, a little more rowing, please." <laughs> I definitely got above my station on on that one.
1: <laughs> Put me back in my place. <laughs> That's incredible. Henry this has been amazing thank you so much for obviously such a such detailed like explanations of like what it's actually like to be to be that person in charge at the top and obviously go through so many different squads like sort of like the lessons and the experiences that you can like draw from from having been involved in the sport for like almost 20 years and like I just wanted to say I really really appreciate the honesty and really appreciate the support you've also like given to the podcast ever since we started so no that's been great and it's been fantastic having you on oh it's been my pleasure thanks for having me
2: uh, absolutely i'll also, we'll always we're always going to have you on mate at some point i'm glad i'm glad we got a chance to fit it in and yeah no again appreciate it really appreciate it coming in and i i think um i think for a lot of people their own story they know it through and through it's their story and it can it can kind of lose its importance but i think us sitting here near the table and hearing people tell it and sort of feel and the feedback we've had from people that listen like it is really important and it does it does mean a lot to a lot of people and i think it does help a lot of people so really yeah i really appreciate you coming and coming and talking
1: definitely going to get you back on after you get that gold medal in paris oh, next so- year. <laughs> <laughs> touch some wood yeah. cool there we go awesome so on that note easy there cue the music